0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. As we read, Peter is standing before the leaders of the nation of Israel, and they are questioning him over an incident which happened. And Peter gives his response, which we just read. But just to understand, what exactly has happened We're gonna back up a little bit into chapter number three. So you have your Bibles there, Acts chapter number three, verse number one begins the story that leads into Acts chapter number four. Acts chapter number three, verse number one says, now Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. So Peter and John, these were obviously disciples of Jesus Christ. They had followed him through the ministry. They obviously saw him after he was resurrected from the dead. It's interesting that Peter and John were the two that were there near Jesus during the the trial and all of that. John obviously was faithful all the way through. Peter obviously denied the Lord. But here we have these two men, after Jesus has risen from the dead, they've seen the Lord Jesus, they've seen him ascend into heaven, and now here they are on a day going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. So it's the afternoon time, and there is a time for prayer. They're going to the temple area in order to pray. And as they go the Bible says that a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple So as they are going to the temple area, there are a number of gates that are all around the temple area and all of them have different names. This one happened to be called the Gate Beautiful and they are going through this gate. As they go through this gate, there is a man who has been crippled from birth. He was born not able to walk or to use his legs. And so what they would do is somebody obviously from his family would carry him to the temple area in the morning time, and he would ask for alms. So he would kind of lay there on the the ground near the gate, and as people come into and from the temple, he would ask for alms. He would beg for money just to help him, for people to have pity upon him. And this is something that he did every single day. This is something that went on year after year after year in this man's life. And here he is, just like he is every other day, but as we can see, today is no ordinary day. Verse number three, who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple as an all. So he's asking for money just like he does to everybody else that comes through. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. So obviously the idea is he would be on the ground and obviously his head would be down and maybe his arms would be out. So maybe he's asking for money this way. And, and Peter, as he walks by said, look on us, look at us. And so he picks up his head to look at Peter. And the Bible says, and, uh, and he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. He thought, oh, you, you want me to look at you? You're gonna give me something? You're gonna give me a little bit of money? Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. (laughs) You can almost imagine this man's heart kind of sinking a little bit at the moment that he said that. He was hoping for silver and gold, and Peter right off the bat says, silver and gold have I none. I got nothing. But such as I have, give I thee. I don't have money for you, but I'll give you you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So this man, as he's begging for money day after day after day after day after day, this day Peter and John happen to go by. He's asking for alms. Peter says, I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold. But what I have, this is what I'm going to do for you. And he said, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. And he took him by the hand and he lifted him up. And the Bible says that his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple. And so Peter reaches down, he picks up this man, he gets up, and they begin to walk into the temple area together. Peter and John now have a new friend, and they're going into the temple area together to pray. This man, the Bible says in verse number eight, says, and he leaping up stood and walked, or, and, walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. I mean, you can imagine the excitement in the soul of this man. This man who has never been able to walk his entire life suddenly now is able to walk unexpectedly but completely whole. And so you can imagine that he's, he's not just casually walking in. I mean, he is running around, running here and running there and leaping and shouting the praises of God. And that causes a little bit of a commotion. Everybody's wondering, what's going on? Who is this guy? What is he doing? Why is he shouting? Verse number nine, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, right? Because every day he was at the same gate asking for alms, and every day if you walked through that temple area, no matter what day, no matter when it was, he would be there, and so just The fact that he was always there people recognize him oh this is the man over there that was he was the one asking alms at the gay beautiful what is he doing here walking around i know who this guy is he's the one that isn't able to walk and the bible says that they knew him and they uh, were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him of course they would be amazed this man his whole life had just laid there crippled everybody knew that he couldn't walk and suddenly now he's walking and everybody's amazed wondering what just happened verse number 11 and as the lame man which was healed held peter and john now i don't know about you but i'm kind of picturing a big group hug Right? This man is grabbing Peter and grabbing John and just holding on to them. I'm walking. I'm leaving. Praise the Lord. And Peter is like, yes, you are. Praise the Lord for that. John is like, yes, all the glory to Jesus Christ. And he's holding on to them. All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. So everybody's running over to him like, is it really you? What happened? And when Peter saw it, so I can imagine Peter standing there, this man is holding on to him, you know, giving him a great big old hug, and he sees this big crowd coming at him. When Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? See, everybody's astonished, everybody's amazed, but Peter, he's not amazed at what had just happened. Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness... We had made this man to walk. Don't look at us. We didn't do this. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One. You denied Jesus, the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer. Barabbas, if you're familiar with the Gospels. Desired Barabbas to be granted unto you. And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. We have seen Jesus Christ and testify that he did die, but he is alive again. Verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. Whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God did before has showed by this mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Verse number 19, here's the message. Repent ye therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So just to recap, here's this man that is by the temple gate, Eric. He's been there every single day asking alms every single day. Everybody knew who he was. Everybody recognized him. Some may have given him money. Some may, every time they walk past, not give him anything, but they would all have recognized the man. Peter and John on this day come by, and he's asking alms of them, and Peter says, well, I don't have any money for you, but... What I have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk." And he picks up the man, he holds his hand, and he pulls him up, and he lifts him up, and he has made whole, and begins to walk and leap, and they go into the temple area together. He's shouting the praises of God. Everybody's wondering, what's going on? What's the shouting all about? And they see the man, and they recognize the man, and they say, what just happened? And they all run over to see what has happened, and Peter preaches this message. It wasn't us that did it. It's by the name of Jesus Christ. He was killed, but then God raised them up, and the message is, Repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Acts chapter 4, verse number 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and of the Sadducees came upon them. So all the religious leaders... They also hear what's going on, and they come out, and they say, what's going on? Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for now, for it was now eventide. So now some time has passed. Now it's the evening time. The religious leaders come out. They hear the message of Peter, and they say, no, you can't do that. And so they took him, and they put him in the hold. They put him into prison, if you will, for the evening. Verse number four, how be it, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of them, the number of the men was about five thousand. So here is a wonderful day when thousands of people are getting saved because of the name of Jesus Christ. And I hope that today, if there is somebody here today that is lost, Maybe this is your first time here in the church. Maybe you've been here to church many times before. Maybe you've been going to church your whole life. And you're you're familiar with the Bible. You're familiar with church. You're familiar with the services. But you have not yet trusted Christ as your Savior. You have not yet been born again. You can be changed just like this man was changed. And I want to notice a few things about this man and the situation. First of all, I want us to notice the impossible circumstance. The impossible circumstance. We know that this man, he was crippled from birth. We read the verses earlier. He was not able to walk from the day that he was born. Obviously, there was something wrong with his feet and his ankles. He couldn't put any pressure on them or use them in any way. So he was paralyzed, not being able to walk. Imagine that. Imagine as a little boy watching your siblings and your friends run around and kicking balls around, playing soccer, playing basketball, and having fun in the park, climbing up on the jungle gym, and, and uh, they get to do all of those things, but this man is not able to do any of those things. He just has to sit from afar and watch as everybody else gets to run around, everybody else gets to climb and jump, everybody else gets to kick the balls, but he, he's not able to do any of those things. He just has to watch. Imagine as he gets a little bit older, now he's beginning to see his friends, they're, they're, they're becoming adults, and now they're getting jobs, they're beginning to work, they're beginning to earn some money, maybe they're supporting the family, maybe they're making some plans and preparations for their future, uh, but he's not able to do any of those things. Somebody from his family would just take him over to the beautiful gate, and he would just lay there every single day asking alms. And I can imagine even some of his friends on some of these days might have walked past through that gate as they would go into the temple area, maybe to worship, maybe to pray, maybe to do some of these things, and seeing their, their old friend from when they were little kids together, and maybe they were siblings together, maybe they were, you know, whatever relationship that they might have. Seeing that man there every single day as they just continue to go on and live their life. Imagine as they continue to get older, his friends are starting to get married, beginning to build families, beginning to have a home, and and he sees all of that, and he's not able to do any of those things. They didn't have wheelchairs. They didn't have wheelchair access to any of these places. He, He wasn't able to do any of these things. It's just that every day, somebody from his family would carry him over to the gate, lay him by the gate, and he would be there all day begging. At the end of the day, somebody from his family would come over, pick him up, and bring him back. And he would just hope, i maybe get enough money for food for today. Maybe just enough money to be able to survive. Maybe just enough money to be able to do something. That was his life. If there was another way, he would have done it. If there was another procedure that he could have had, he would have had it. If there was a treatment, he would have taken it. If there were a cure, He would have had it, but there was nothing that he could do. Nothing that anybody could do. He was crippled. There's no hope for any change. So he just lay there day after day after day, not thinking about one day, maybe I'll get out of this situation. He knew in his mind, there's no other way. There's no other possibility. And it was a tragic situation an impossible circumstance. But the situation for this man that was crippled from birth is not just a tragic situation for that man. It's symbolic of the tragic situation of every man and of every woman, of every boy and girl. Now, I think probably every one of us, we're able to walk, we're able to run, we're able to, you know, carry ourselves different places and Though you might be able to physically walk and run and do all those things, we were all born spiritually crippled. The Bible describes our sin like this ailment. In Mark chapter number two, we have some verses there on the screen. It says, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. So he goes into the city, he goes into this house, and everybody talks about how he's here and straightway. Many were In so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. So here is Jesus. He's in a house and everybody finds out that Jesus is there. And so everybody's rushing into the house. And so it's standing room only. So people are standing in the doorways. They're standing in the windows. They're standing everywhere about. And there's no way to get in. Verse number three, and they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, somebody who wasn't able to walk. He was paralyzed, which was born of four. So imagine this man, he's on like this, you know, kind of cot sort of thing, and he's got four of his friends, one on each corner, carrying this man to Jesus. And when they could not come nigh or near unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. So they go up onto the roof, and the roof obviously not being like the roofs that we have today, you know, is kind of maybe like a straw roof, you know, very crude, very elementary, but maybe effective for the day, and they broke up the roof. So they literally pulled apart the roof, and they let down the bed where the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? So Jesus sees this where the roof is, you know, breaking apart. Imagine that you're just sitting in the house and Jesus is sitting there and you know, you're hearing Jesus teaching and you're thinking, "Wow, this is so great. This is awesome. This is wonderful." And then suddenly you see some sunlight coming through the roof. And you're like, that's unusual. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you realize there are people up there breaking apart the roof. Things are coming down on the heads of the people. You can imagine this situation. And suddenly they begin to lower this man down into the room. And here is this man coming down on this cot. And you can imagine everybody's like, "Uh, what, what is going on? Okay, I guess we'll catch this man. And the man comes down and he's just there. And everybody's looking at him, you know, maybe people are holding him, there's no room anywhere, there's no room on the floor for him to just lay, everybody's just kind of holding him there, and Jesus is there, and Jesus says to that man, son, thy sins be forgiven thee, verse number eight, and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned with themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in their hearts, whether it be easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk you know what jesus says jesus says why are you thinking those things is it easier to say son thy sins be forgiven thee or to a crippled man get up and walk now why did jesus say that why did jesus when this crippled man come and say son thy sins be forgiven thee and why did he say this phrase right here verse number 10 but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all. So here is this man, not able to walk, he begins to walk, he picks up his bed, and he walks out going home, and insomuch much that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. The reason why Jesus includes this passage in Mark, why he goes through this whole situation, is to compare our sin with this man's disease, with the palsy. He was paralyzed. He was crippled. He was unable to walk. It was an incurable situation, impossible. There was no medicine that he could take that would heal him. There was no procedure to be done. There was nothing that he could do. There was no way that he would be able to walk. And everybody in that situation would understand that. But Jesus makes a comparison that that situation is like all of us because the Bible says, for all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. We are all just like this man in Acts chapter 3, who is crippled. We are all like this man that was born of four, that had to be carried by friends. There's no way for us to be healed. It is impossible. But I want you to notice the incredible change. This man, who was born with an incurable ailment, is now walking and leaping and praising god can you imagine can you imagine that here is this man who has never walked his entire life now by the name of jesus is walking and you can just see the excitement in his soul and i want to notice a few things about this change first of all the change was immediate in Acts chapter number three verse number six The Bible says, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. The moment that he took Peter's hand, he was lifted up and received strength. It was an immediate healing of his feet, of his bones, of his muscles, and in an instant, now he is walking, being made whole. Today we're talking about salvation. That's why Jesus Christ came. That is why he died on the cross. That is why he rose again from the dead. And it is through salvation that we too can be changed. Changed for the Lord. Born again. Made alive again spiritually. And that change is an immediate change. The moment you are saved is the moment that you are saved. Sometimes people think, you know what, if I just keep going to church enough, then you know, I'll become more and more saved. That's not how it works. The moment you get saved is the moment that you get saved. The Bible describes salvation as being born again. For those of you, you know, we all have birth certificates. There's a specific date on your birth certificate. That is the day that you were born. There is a moment, there is even a time when you were born. That's the moment that you were born. And the same way it's true spiritually, that we are born again in an instant, in a moment. That change happens, not gradually, but instantaneously. Also, the change was an internal change. The Bible describes that his feet and his ankle bones received strength. For this man to be able to walk, obviously, he would need to have all of his strength and all of his uh, uh, ailments healed on the inside. His ankles would need to be healed, his bones, his muscles, all of those things would need to be healed, all of those things being on the inside, all of those things being internal, now as he has changed on the inside then we see evidence on the outside as he receives strength on the inside then he is able to walk on the outside there is an evident change on the outside but it was only possible through the change that was on the inside see salvation is something that happens inside in your heart salvation is not external behaviors See, going to church is good, but going to church is not salvation. See, giving maybe offerings or tithes is good, but that's not salvation. Getting involved in a church is good, but getting involved is not salvation. Trusting in Jesus Christ in your heart, that is salvation. But I also want to notice that the change was complete. The Bible describes in Acts chapter number four that he was made whole, that he was made complete. When we talk about salvation, we're talking about a cleansing of our sins. And when we say that Jesus cleanses us of all of our sins, we mean all of our sins. All of them. There is not one sin that Jesus cannot cleanse, and there is not one sin that Jesus does not cleanse for anyone that trusts in Christ as a Savior. In this illustration, we see this man, he was crippled. He couldn't use his feet. You'll notice that Jesus did not heal one of his feet and say, you figure out the rest. He did not heal the one ankle and say, why don't you just work a little bit harder on the other one and maybe you'll be able to walk. See, salvation is not Jesus doing some things for us and then we gotta do the rest. It is all the Lord that heals us completely and makes us whole. That's what salvation is. Salvation is the Lord. And the Lord alone. It is not us doing our best and God making up the rest. Salvation is God cleansing us from all of our sins. And so we see a few things about this man, about his situation, about the circumstance, about the change, and now I want to notice the individual choice. This man was born in an impossible circumstance, and he was incredibly changed. It happened by the name of Jesus Christ. Now, to bring that illustration to us, if we are all sinners and the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, how can we be delivered? The Bible says that we must make the right choice. No matter the offer of salvation, no one can make you to be saved except for you, not your father, not your mother not your husband or wife, not your kids, not your friends, not your pastor, not your church, fellow church members. You must choose for yourself to be saved. The choice for faith is what is clear. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 4, it says, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of them men was about 5,000 souls. The Bible makes it clear that salvation is by faith and faith alone, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Our theme verse for the year is Hebrews chapter 11, verse number six, and it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Why did God choose faith? Because it is faith that pleases the Lord. And so salvation is by faith. Doing good things does not please God. You cannot be saved that way. Going to church will not save you. Uh, uh, Reading your Bible, saying some prayers, giving some money, doing some things, getting involved, trying to do all of these different things are not good enough to save us from our sins, for it is by faith that we can and will be saved. We must have faith. But faith in what? Faith in ourselves? Faith in our church? Faith in these traditions? Well, the Bible says that we must have faith in Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse number 11, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Salvation is exclusive to Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of churches in the world, and there's a lot of religions, there's a lot of ideas about spiritual things, and spirituality, and a lot of people that will say, I'm a spiritual person, but there is only one Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no salvation. There are no other roads to heaven. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, Jesus was not just a good man. He was not just a good teacher. He was not just a good role model. He was the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And if you want to go to heaven, there is no other name by which you can be saved but Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus and you. It's not Jesus and the church. It's not Jesus and these other things. It's not, I'm going to try this and try this and try this, and maybe one of them will work. There's only one Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the choice is faith in Jesus Christ. And now we see that the choice is up to you. In Acts chapter 4, verse 4, we saw that many believed, 5,000 men believed, but not everyone believed. In verse number 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council they conferred among themselves saying what shall we do to these men for that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in jerusalem and we cannot deny it you know they they questioned peter and john and they said all right get get out and uh, we're gonna figure out what to do so everybody in the council they now say okay all right we heard what they said we saw what happened what are we going to do? Everybody saw what happened. Everybody knows this man was crippled and now miraculously he's able to walk. What do we do? Verse 17, but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. See, what's interesting is that there are two groups of people here in in the city, in that temple area. One group of people saw the man healed, heard the gospel, and trusted Christ. One group of people saw the man healed, heard the gospel, and rejected Christ. Both of them saw the same thing. Both of them heard the same message, but only one group was saved. Because only one group believed. And see, here we are today, taking a look at the Word of God taking a look at the miracle of Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, being buried, and rising again three days later. And here we are hearing the message of the gospel that anyone can be saved, but the choice is up to you. Only you can make that choice. Only you can be saved. Only you can trust and believe. Romans chapter 10, verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's the thing about salvation. No one can make you believe, right? Nobody can make you believe. Somebody can drag you to church, somebody can coerce you into saying a few words of prayer. Somebody can kind of, you know, uh, show up and uh, make sure that you do these things and remind you and send text messages. and People can do all of those things, but nobody can make you believe. Only you can believe. You can go along, you can act like everybody else, but only you know if deep down in your heart, whether you believe or not. Whether you trust in Christ or not. You are the only one that can make that choice whether you will be saved. So, the question today is Will you be saved? You can be saved. You can have your sins to be forgiven. You can know that when you die, you're not going to hell, you're going to heaven. You can know these things. If you will hear the word that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He died on the cross for your sins, and He was buried. Three days later, he rose again, and you can have eternal life through that name. If you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and call upon his name to be saved.